Presbyterian Church of Santa Ana via live stream today. Uh, this morning we're starting with a call to worship, which is Psalm 148. You should have gotten that if you received our order of worship earlier this week. Psalm 148, please join with me if you would like to from home as we read responsibly. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise the Lord in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all stars of light. Praise him, highest heavens and the waters that are above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He has established them forever and ever. He made a decree which will not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, sea monsters and all the deeps, fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and winged fowl, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and virgins, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven, and he has lifted up his horn for his people. Praise for all his godly ones, even for the sons of Israel, a people near to him. Praise the Lord. Let us join together in singing the hymn, All Creatures of Our God and King, hymn number 455. We'll be singing verses 1 and 2, uh, 5 and 6, four verses all together. Let's join together as we sing.
By your word, you created a wondrous universe. And through your spirit, you breathed into it the breath of life. Accept creation's hymn of praise from our lips, and let the praise that is sung in heaven resound in the heart of every creature here on earth. To the glory of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Xander, our Director of Youth Ministry, will begin, uh, will do some praise for us, so let us continue in worship as he leads us. Good morning, church. Um, worship with us for everyone. Thank you. 
him and do the nights we, we, we spent after students have gone to bed, uh, eating in and out. Yes, yeah, that's right, students. We, we, we eat in and out as a tradition at the summer too. Uh, and just uh, and just how just the moments between our leaders and how uh, they all just invest in a lot of their energy and time to uh, to care and and, and help students uh, be a part of this family of God, both in these walls of the church and outside of these walls. Um, so um, yeah, maybe I've mentioned a lot of the big moments, um, but um, uh, there are a lot of small moments too, a lot of small stories um, that, that may aren't coming to mind, but there are. I'm sure there are. Yeah. And any uh, final words you'd like to say to the students, to the families, to the church here? Yeah. Um, to all the parents, uh, thank you for allowing me to partner with you. Um, and we had an invitation to uh, partner in leadership and partner uh, in this ministry. And to all my leaders, couldn't have done without you guys. Definitely a godsend. What a dynamic team that God just put together. And to the session, to the staff, um, and to Lance, to everybody who has prayed and poured in. Um, invested into the underground and the ministry um, from afar. Uh, thank you so much. Um, parents and students and the leaders, we hope that, my hope is that we've done our best to create a warm environment for you all and to help pave the way to give you an opportunity to take a step closer, whether big or small, to take that step closer to Jesus Christ. And um, and also, well, we've been talking about uh, bridges to engage and we hope that my hope is that we left you with that um, and that you can bridge you can make that bridge for others to engage not just in relationship with yourselves and with your family and with this church but also with Jesus Christ alright well thank you Xander uh, I'm going to say a prayer for you right now Lord God we thank you so much for the life of Xander and for Vanessa and Dwight we thank you for bringing them to First Presbyterian Church for this season, and we just ask that you would bless them, Lord God, that you would surround them with your spirit to protect them, continue to guide and lead them. May they be filled with your spirit and experience and exhibit the fruit of that spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And may they continue to draw others unto you. So we just ask a special blessing on them as they go. And uh, we ask a blessing on our congregation as well as we uh, go through a time of mourning and loss, uh, but also anticipate the next chapter in this church family. And so thank you, Lord, for that. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. I said, I said, thank <laughs> I just want to say thank you to God as well. And then and most importantly, well, God, most importantly, and secondly, thank you to Vanessa. Vanessa, if you're watching, I know she's at work, but couldn't have done it without her. Um, and she's a huge part of the ministry, a huge part of my life. But I wanted to thank Vanessa too, aside from just being a leader. Of course. <laughs> so otherwise, get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Love you guys. All right. Bless you. So uh, just a reminder for those of you that have not heard, we are going to do a Zoom gathering with Xander um, after the service. It'll be immediately after the service. You should have received the Zoom link for that. Uh, I might be able to give it to you um, shortly, or Scott will put it onto the uh, thread there um, if he's so inclined to do that. Um, and then other announcements, we continue with our uh, regular um, 
morning coffee with Pastor Lance six days a week on Facebook at around 9 o'clock, depending on what time I roll out of bed. Uh, we also have our pastor's Bible study that meets at 10 o'clock on Thursdays. And we are starting to coordinate a time for a discipleship program. This will be a pretty intense uh, homework every week, uh, once a week gathering uh, via Zoom. That's kind of the only way we can do it right now. And so we'll be doing that probably by mid-September. We'll get, those, get that going. Um, so we'll uh, look at that. And then there was one other thing. Oh, Presbyterian women have started to meet uh, every other week on Tuesdays at 10 o'clock. So if you're interested in that, uh, you can send us a note via Facebook or uh, talk to Janice Towner. She's the one that's putting that together. I'm really excited about that. Now let's turn to the Word of God. And uh, let me read this passage from Acts 20, verses 36 through 38. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with them all and prayed. And there was much weeping among them. They embraced Paul and kissed him, grieving especially because of what he had said, and that they would not see him again. Then they brought him to the ship. Well, now that's kind of a funky passage, right? I am... Uh, as I was preparing for this morning, I got thinking about those movies. You know those movies that start with the final scene, and then, uh, and then all of a sudden they kind of do a fade out, and then they go to the beginning of the story, and that's what I wanted to do today. Uh, I don't think I've ever done that. I don't think I've ever heard of a pastor doing that. But I wanted to give you that final scene that Paul is surrounded by the elders of the church of Ephesus, and he has just talked to them, and... They realize they probably will never see him again, and they break down in tears, crying for him uh, and for their loss. And I wanted to read this passage today because of what, uh, because of what we're going through. Um, as Xander departs, and there's this great sense of loss. And I remember when I was in high school, our youth director uh, left the church, and I was so um, I really felt that loss. Like, this was the guy I related to. This was the guy we spent time with. We, he was the one that was explaining to me and helping me grow in my faith in Jesus Christ. And when he stepped away from that position, I felt like I'd lost the one person that was guiding me and leading me. And I am just wondering if some of our young people might be feeling that. Xander's been here four years. That's the generation of a high school, freshman to senior. Um, I know he works with middle schoolers and high schoolers, but that's a long time to spend with somebody in their youth. If, he's, if a person's 16, that is a quarter of their life. And so it's a, it's a hard loss, and I understand that. And I kind of wanted to talk about that. And if you have young people in your family or you have grandchildren that are part of the youth group, I encourage you to have them come and watch this video later. The Apostle Paul has finished his third missionary journey, and he's gone through what we know today as Turkey and Greece. He's visited cities like Ephesus, Troas, Philippi, Thessalonica, Athens, and Corinth. And remember, in every city that, where he went, he established churches. 
and he spent time. Uh, he was a church planter. He would go, he would plant a church, he'd get the leaders strong, and then he'd head to the next city. And so he's on his final missionary journey. He's returning back to Jerusalem. And as he's going down the coast of Turkey, he sends somebody out ahead of him to go and get the elders of Ephesus, the church of Ephesus. And so this is what scripture says. From Miletus, Paul sent a message to Ephesus asking the elders of the church to meet him. When they came to him, he spoke to them. So he's on this journey. He sends somebody out to get these elders and they bring them back. Now, my Presbyterian church members, what is the Greek word for elder? Presbyteros, right? Where we get the word Presbyterian. So he sent for the Presbyterians. So, <laughs> it's tough to make kind of silly comments uh, and gestures at, to an empty sanctuary. Um, I like the feedback of the, the chuckles and groans that I oftentimes get. More groans than chuckles nowadays. But, um, so what does Paul tell the elders? We read from the end of the chapter from verse 36 to 38, and we just read from 17 and 18. So there's 20 verses there that Paul speaks to the elders. And here's what some of the things that he speaks of. He says this, You yourselves know how I lived among you the entire time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears, enduring the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. I did not shrink from doing anything helpful, proclaiming the message to you and teaching you publicly and from house to house, as I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So here he is, he's saying, from the very beginning, I was serving the Lord faithfully and in humility. That is the goal of every church worker, every pastor who is faithfully seeking to follow Christ's call to discipleship and to proclaiming the word. And it says in this passage that he testified to all about repentance and faith, both to the Jew and to the Greek. So he was basically saying, I started with the people who were in the church, but I reached out beyond the church. Uh, in our context, that would be both people who've grown up in our church and people who have never been in a church. Both kids who have been here since birth and kids who have never been to church. And what was his message? Turn to God. Repentance means to turn towards something. It means to turn away from what uh, the wrong direction and turn towards the right direction. So Paul is calling out for people to repent toward God and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the foundation of every ministry. It is our desire that people stop going in the wrong direction, stop going away from God and turn towards God and start a relationship with God. That's why our uh, mission, or our vision statement says that we here in First Presbyterian Church, we're seeking uh, to have people from all generations and all cultures connect with Jesus Christ. That is our greatest desire, to bring people to Jesus Christ, to have them connect with Jesus Christ. That's what 
pastors. That's what church staff should be seeking to do. That should be our first priority. And certainly, Xander was all about that. Most importantly, that people have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul goes on and says, And now as a captive to the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem. So he's heading to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and persecutions are waiting for me. But I do not count my life of any value to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the good news of God's grace. And now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will ever see my face again. Therefore, I declare to you this day that I am not responsible for the blood of any of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. So Paul is on his way to Jerusalem, and he believes in his spirit that he will be imprisoned and that he will be punished. And that is exactly what happened. As soon as he got to Jerusalem, he was uh, found as a criminal, put in chains, and uh, later was taken to Rome as a prisoner. And that was the end of his missionary journeys. And part of the imprisonment, the positive side of that imprisonment, was that he wrote uh, many of the books that we have here in the Bible to those churches that he had established in his missionary journeys. So we thank God that he had that time to do that. But he knew in his heart and he knew in his spirit that he was going to a difficult time. And yet he still went because he believed that was the will of God. And I love this phrase that he makes, I am innocent of all people's blood. Um, it's kind of an odd thing to say, but I love this verse. Verse. Uh, if we know someone who has never heard the gospel, if they have never heard the gospel, then we are responsible to share that good news with that person. If we do not, then their blood is upon our hands. That is what Paul is telling us here. If they have heard the good news, if they have heard the gospel, then their blood is upon their own hands. They are responsible for themselves. But if they have never heard, and you are there with a person that's never heard, and you don't share the good news with them, you're responsible. That's a heavy weight. And Paul is saying, I am not responsible for anyone's blood. In other words, I'm not responsible for anyone's spirit or soul because I have shared the good news. I have told them about Jesus Christ. I have told them about their need for Jesus Christ. He shared the good news with everyone. And then in verse 28, we go on. Keep watch over yourselves and over all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God that he obtained with the blood of his own son. I know that after I have gone, savage wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock. Some even from your own group will come distorting the truth in order to entice the disciples to follow them. You know we want to go to church and sing kumbaya and have a wonderful fresh and peace-filled uh, gathering but we have to be wary we have to be on our guard because there are wolves out there and certainly when it comes to our youth we recognize that 
many people are seeking to entice them away. And so we want to be very careful. And what Paul says here is to be careful of those who are distorting the truth. Notice how he doesn't say we have to be careful of people who are bringing lies. But to be careful of those who distort the truth. This idea of distorting the truth goes all the way back to the very beginning. In the Garden of Eden, when Eve and Adam were in the garden and Satan took the truth and then he twisted it just a little bit. That's distorting the truth. The same happened to Jesus Christ when he was tempted in the wilderness before he began his ministry. Forty days in the wilderness and he was tempted and it's interesting how often Satan used scripture to tempt Jesus. Does it not say, and then he would quote a verse from the Bible, but he twist it just a little bit. So we have to be on our guard for those who take scripture and twist it to their own likings. Notice their motivation to entice disciples to follow them. The first priority of any youth pastor, of any pastor, of any church staff member should always be for people to follow Jesus Christ, not to follow them. If anyone is in ministry and hoping that people will come to them, if they want to be very popular, if they want people to follow them, then they are in ministry for the wrong reason. Our entire goal is to point people to Jesus Christ. Beware of leaders that call people to follow them. Our goal always is for people to follow Jesus Christ. Paul goes on, Therefore be alert, remembering that after three years I did not cease, night or day, to warn everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the message of His grace, a message that is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all who are sanctified. I coveted, uh, I think that's where I stopped, yes. So note that Paul stayed in Ephesus for three years. Um, I don't know if we have a thought in our mind about these missionary journeys. It seems that Paul goes, he preaches a word, a church starts, and then he goes on to the next town. But he spent three years planting that church. Three years building up the leadership. And of course, three years is the number of years that Jesus spent with his disciples before he was crucified and resurrected. And so three years is a good time for people to be prepared for leadership. It takes time. Uh, it takes investment of time. Uh, it takes presence. And so Paul spent three years. And that's why I'm so thankful that Xander was here for four years. It's, it's tough when we have a youth director here that's here for a few months and then moves on somewhere else. That's a hard thing for our young people. It's a hard thing for the church as a, as a whole. And then in verse 32, Paul says, I commend you to God. I love that. Commend. I had to look that up, actually, because I was kind of like, what does that actually mean? Commend. It means to present as suitable for approval or acceptance. So Paul is saying, I've been with you for three years, and now I commend you. I, I present you before God as suitable 
and acceptable. Uh, it's a, basically a recommendation to God. So Paul is turning them over to our Lord. For the church belongs to God. We are God's people. If anyone says, oh, Pastor so-and-so's church, that's not a good thing. We're always looking for Jesus Christ as the author and perfecter of our faith, as the cornerstone of the church, as the head of the body of the church. Not me, not anyone else. And then verses 33 through 35, Paul writes, I coveted no one's silver or gold or clothing. You know for yourselves that I worked with my own hands to support myself and my companions. In all this, I have given you an example that by such work, we must support the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, for he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I know this may come as a shock to you, but Paul was not in it for the money. And pastors, generally speaking, are not in it for the money. <laughs> if, if you are looking for uh, a large salary, ministry is not the place to go. Um, in fact, we're called to support the weak, to take care of those who are weak. Paul finishes with this well-known verse, and I love that after all of this time, he comes to the end and says, it is better to give than to receive. And he actually quotes Jesus. That, these are, in fact, the words of Jesus. If you have a red-letter edition of your Bible, it's kind of interesting in the book of Acts, we have a few times where all of a sudden it's red. Uh, usually we only see that in the Gospels, but here's one of those places. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, when we're young, Christmas time, we love to receive gifts, right? It's so exciting. We open our packages and we start playing with the boxes instead of the actual contents, right? So uh, Christmas can be such a joyful time. But even as children, I think we're taught. Um, I know my parents did this where they'd say, okay, Lance, you take that gift and you go give it to your sister. So this idea of giving and as we get older, we start to realize what joy there is in giving. That we actually experience joy when we give. And that's what this verse is saying. It is more blessed to give than to receive. If we're seeking to have a blessed life, we will experience blessing when we give. Now, I want to be sure that we understand that blessed is a difference than happy. It drives me crazy when modern Bibles translate the word makarium, which is the Greek word, to happy. Happy are those who da-da-da-da-da. Because the actual word is blessed. And happy is kind of a shallow term. I was trying to uh, explain the word shallow to my uh, girlfriend, Sophia. She's a Spanish speaker, and so I mentioned shallow, and she said, what is shallow? And I, I hit Google Translate, and it came in up in Spanish as superficial. Um, so it's superficial. But I felt like that didn't really translate it well. So I typed in shallow water, and, I, and it came back agua poco profunda, which means water that is shallow. And it, it struck me, happy is kind of a shallow joy. It's on the surface. 
It lasts for a short time, but blessing is deeper. Shallow, when we think of somebody who is shallow, we think they have no depth. But when we think of somebody who is deep, we think that they're deep, right? They're not shallow. And so, blessed are you when you give. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is a deeper joy. It is a deeper sense. And so when we reach out to those around us who are in need, those who are poor, those who are struggling, those who are feeling oppressed and set aside, it, bring, it should bring us joy. Now that's not the reason we do it. We do it because it's the right thing to do. But in doing it, we should experience a blessing. I remember one church I served, uh, the stewardship campaign was blessed to be a blessing. And so the more we bless others, the more we experience God's blessing, and so it becomes a kind of uh, cycle. It is more blessed to give than to receive. John F. Kennedy actually paraphrased this verse in his great uh, quote, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. In other words, stop looking for to consume or receive things and start thinking about how you can give things back. And I think this is a good uh, truth to remember, even in the context of a church. Our churches have become consumer models. We, we give a product on Sunday mornings. It's all about this great, incredible worship to service and it becomes a production. And that becomes dangerous. That's why I love our church here in Santa Ana because we're more of a family and we're giving and taking together. We're giving and receiving. We're working together. Ask not what your church can do for you. Ask what you can do for your church. So especially during this time now as we're going through a transition with our youth group, I may be making some phone calls and talking to you about possibly reaching out and connecting with our youth. And youth, you too can be doing things for your church family. Ask not what the church is doing for you. Ask what you can do for your church. John F. Kennedy went on to say, as we express our gratitude, we must never forget the highest form of appreciation is not to utter the words, but to live by them. So we need to continue to live by these words. When I first got here to the church 150 years ago, um, the church had gone through three interim pastors. And one of the interim pastors that had served here was named Leroy Haynes. And I was told about Leroy, and uh, he was a dear guy. I was able to meet him a few times. And Leroy had this way of showing up, and on Sunday morning he would take a walking stick, and he would lean it up against the pulpit. And he would say, that walking stick is just to remind you that I'm just a, a sojourner, I'm just passing through. That is the truth for everyone in your life. Everyone. We walk through this life with Christ as our Lord and Christ with us always. But different people step into our lives for different periods of time. And we should... Embrace the value of those relationships. 
Some for just a short time, some for a longer time. Some positive, some kind of difficult. Uh, some for certain seasons and some for throughout our entire lives. And I was just struck again by that comment from Leroy Haynes in seeing that it was time for Xander to move to the next season of his life. He stepped into the water of the flow of our stream for a short time, and now he has stepped out. There's an old Indian parable. You never step into the same river twice. So every time something changes in our congregation, it's new and it's fresh. So I want to encourage our young people especially, and all of us, because I think our entire church will be affected by this, that we embrace our time with Xander, with every leader that we have, and we celebrate the values and the greatness of those relationships. But we also let them go to their next seasons in life, and we embrace the new seasons of our own. I think when I was young, that was a difficult truth for me to understand. Now that I'm older, it's a little easier. Now, I'm struck by the fact that at the end of this, the elders were in tears. They were weeping. They kissed Paul. Uh, we're not going to kiss Xander. <laughs> uh, especially now during social distancing. Um, but we are maybe sh shed a few tears and um, have a little sense of sadness over his uh, departing. And that's okay to experience that. Um, and remember these words of Paul to share the good news of Christ, to finish this, the course set before you, to be wary of the wolves in sheep's clothing, and to remember always it is more blessed to give than to receive. We appreciate the time we've had with Xander. We love him. We love Vanessa. And we love how they have encouraged our young people to follow Jesus Christ. And we commend them to God and prayerfully seek the next person who will serve our youth in this church family. And so in response to God's word to us, uh, Andrea is going to lead us in a song. And this song is meant as a kind of offertory piece. And if you would like to give online, we encourage you to do that at this time. God bless you.
us pray. Loving God, we are so grateful for an opportunity to come and worship you. An opportunity to worship you wherever we are. Lord, life is sometimes difficult. We all go through times of loss, times of saying goodbye to people. We're reminded this morning by that as we say goodbye to Xander. We just ask that you would surround him and Vanessa with your loving arms. Give them a sense of your great love for them. Uphold them, support them, encourage them, continue to guide and lead them. We'll stay connected, Lord. We know that. It'll just be a different kind of relationship in the days ahead. I pray that you would be with our youth who may be going through times of loss, a sense of saying goodbye to Xander in a way that's it's hard. So I pray for peace and for comfort for them, a sense that they belong to this family, this church family and their importance of their relationship with you as being more important than anything else. Lord, many of us are experiencing different forms of loss in our own lives personally. People are having a hard time financially. People are having a hard time with loss of loved ones. We know that some in our congregation have lost loved ones to the pandemic that is currently affecting our entire world. Many of us feel alone and isolated at our homes. We're experiencing that sense of loss as well. Comfort us, Lord God. Your word reminds us that you lead us in the green pastures. You also lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. So continue to remind us that you are with us. You will never leave us or forsake us. Help us to turn toward you, to seek your face in all things. Lord, this has been an incredibly difficult time in the life of our nation. The racial unrest is overwhelming for many of us. So, Lord God, we pray that you would bring peace Help us to be peacemakers. Help us to reach out in love and compassion to those around us, even if they have different opinions than we do. Help us to show the love of Christ to all with whom we come in contact. Lord God, as our nation heads to the polls and we will have a major vote coming up. We pray that your best leader, your intended leader for this season in the life of our country will be elected. Whoever that might be. And we pray that you would bring peace and reconciliation to our nation 
Lord God, during these difficult times, we pray that this will be a time for people to reflect and to recognize our great need for you. May our nation repent. May our nation turn toward you. May our nation seek you. Hear us now as we pray the Lord's Prayer, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, we are going to finish up by singing a great hymn. Uh, I have no idea that I was doing this when I scheduled these two hymns. Uh, the opening hymn and our closing hymn are both arranged by Ralph Vaughn Williams for my music-loving friends who are watching this morning. Um, but we're going to sing God Be With You Till We Meet Again. Uh, and this is kind of to think about as Xander departs, but also as a way of speaking to each other as we uh, leave one another's presence. So let us sing that hymn at this time. Shalom, wholeness, fullness of life, both now and forevermore.